Welcome to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers to importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am very excited for our guest today. So I'm going to give a little bit of background on what inspired this show. Um, For those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that I spent a couple of years as the general manager of Birch and Barley and Church Key. Um, This is an establishment uh, right on 14th Street in Northwest DC, and it is known for its massive, massive beer selection. and pretty, pretty uh, innovative beer program headed up by Greg Anger. We've had him on the show before as a guest. One of my most treasured memories during my time there was when my assistant general manager, Sam Nellis, who has also been a guest on the show, uh, coerced me into having an organization I've never heard of before called Safe Bars come and do a training with our bartenders. And I was uh, very skeptical because, like I said, I'd never heard of them before. Um, And, you know, Sam gets these ideas and gets all excited. um, And I kind of roll my eyes a lot. Uh, But this uh, was one of those instances where Sam was absolutely brilliant. Um, Safe Bars came in and did a very interactive and engaging training with all of the bartenders and some of the servers um, in Church Key and Birch and Barley uh, on how to keep patrons safe and how to keep their fellow coworkers safe in the sense of any kind of aggression, sexual assault, or you know any kind of de-escalation systems that they could put in place. It was eye-opening for everybody involved. Every single person took something away. And from somebody who appreciates a well-designed training program, it was beautifully, beautifully designed and wonderfully executed. So I am very excited uh, to welcome on the show Amy Ward. She has been a Safe Bar trainer for five years. She's a hospitality veteran. Um, She's been in the industry for 20-plus years. She's coming to us from Baltimore. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Thank you so much for having me. So... um, I kind of described a little bit about what Safe Bars does, but I definitely didn't do it justice. Can you describe, you know, for listeners who have never heard of Safe Bars and what you all are about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Safe Bars has a couple different programs that we work with. First, kind of like the flagship thing is the bystander intervention, which is us going into different bars, restaurants, other venues. We've definitely have trained and done bystander interventions for for more than just the bars and restaurant industry. But we go in and we teach people on the front lines of hospitality how to recognize when there are behaviors that are potentially problematic and could lead to something more dangerous and empower them with ways to safely intervene in a non-confrontational way uh, that will keep themselves safe, keep their their coworkers safe, and keep their um, their patrons safe, all in the effort of trying to create that safe space within the bars and restaurants. Um, so we do that, the bystander intervention. We also do de-escalation training, which was born out of the pandemic. And that is essentially teaching people um, 
in, again, on the front lines of hospitality, how to recognize like when somebody might becoming escalated, why they might become escalated, and how to prevent them from becoming more escalated, for lack of, you know, better words to use to go in there. But we teach them how to like take the temperature down in those situations and prevent anything from getting out of control. And then the last thing that we do is actually train up different um establishments, groups throughout the throughout the country to be their own safe bars training team. So we do a train the trainer series uh, where we work with different groups throughout the throughout the states to teach them how to be facilitators and teach them the importance of uh, of the real nuances that we tackle when we are uh, looking at safe bars specifically, doing bystander intervention specifically within bars and restaurants. I want to dive into examples of all of those. Um, but before we do that, I want you to kind of speak to why this is significant for the beer world and how this fits in specifically to the beer industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, This kind of training is absolutely imperative for anybody in hospitality because we are essential workers and we are seeing um People come in in droves. We are we are those things that cannot shut down even even through a pandemic. Uh, you know, for some of us that have that have stayed through this entire thing. Um, but what we are looking for, and the reason why this was actually developed in the first place, is because people who are dealing with alcohol um, are in a very perfect position to be able to see everything that's going on, especially for for breweries. You know, whether they're in a tap room, whether they're um, leading tours throughout the actual, an actual brewery, whatever it might be, they're in a perfect position to really make the experience for those guests that are in there. So we can see everything that's going on. We're kind of the guides that lead to that really special experience within our spaces. Um, so we're primed to be able to see everything that's happening. We're primed to be able to get ahead of stuff before, before it can ever get out of control. And there is the nitty gritty background of this being a um, beer world has been a predominantly a, a male dominated space for so long, and the craft beer world is kind of having their having their moment of of calling out poor behaviors and really trying to make a difference in in that realm of of the alcohol beer you know of the hospitality industry. Um, so it's really. I mean, it's important for everybody, but it's important for beer because that has been a more male-dominated space, I'd say, than other facets of hospitality, whether it's bars, restaurants. Um, there are still high numbers of women, according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, like women dominate all these fields aside from the beer world. Um, but we don't see ourselves in positions of leadership or necessarily uh, ones where we are running bars all the time. But that doesn't; those numbers don't necessarily translate for for the beer world. So it is a male dominated space. We do recognize within safe bars, and the stats do tell us that um, sexual aggression can be committed by anybody and to anybody. But the numbers show us that most aggression uh, instances of aggressions are committed by men towards people who are either women in the LGBTQIA community, people of color, whatever it might be. So it's it's really critical that we are empowering people to recognize when things are not correct, uh, when they see poor behaviors, and be able to call them out so we can change the landscape of this of this industry for the better, for the people that are coming in here, for, you know, for, for a multitude of reasons. But, you know, beer world, bar world, whatever it might be, hospitality is no longer 
a thing that people just do to bide their time until they do something else. This is our career. This is our world. This is the things that like make us thrive and prosper. So we have to actually put the the background together to make it a a safe space so we can have that longstanding kind of beneficial space for everybody that's involved in this world. Yes, for sure. And listeners, if you want to dive into a little bit more about how the beer industry is shifting um, and along with that Me Too movement, check out the episode on hashtag not me. Um, really, really uh, excellent episode there. Uh, self-promotion is uh, part of our, you know, part of our uh, charm here on Beer Me right now. <laughs> Let's dive into what kind of areas, the the areas that you kind of outlined at the top with the three different categories as far as empowering uh, people to intervene in very safe ways, uh, de-escalation and train the trainer series. So let's start with empowering people um, and how they can intervene safely. Can you give a good example of what that would look like? Yeah. The so what's really nice about doing this training and, and empowering people is showing showing all of our attendees that there are a multitude of ways in which they can intervene. It is literally just trying to disrupt the flow of energy that's happening in that time and space. Um, but we give them we talk through the five D's of different ways in which they can actually intervene. We have direct, distract, delegate, document, and delay. Um, and a little quick on both of those. Direct is for probably like the you and me's of the world who have no problem with interacting with people on the one-on-one. If we see something that looks wrong, we'll be like, hey, knock it off. Or I saw that, it's not cool. So that is a little bit more, um, a little bit more forthright of an approach. And it's for, for those personalities that feel comfortable doing that kind of really intimate one-on-one uh, interaction. And it doesn't have to be in the way that I just kind of set it up of, of like, hey, I saw that, knock it off. It could be, would you like some water? How's your night going? Who are you here with? Like, it could be a multitude of different things, but it's having that one-on-one interaction with either the target or the aggressor. All of these things can be done with either of them. So you not only have, you know, five different intervention strategies, but you have the opportunity to interact with both parties that are involved, the people who are doing the aggressing, the people who have been targeted. Connecting with somebody who is doing some aggression, something that something that stood out to me during the training was how subtle aggression can be. I think for the most part, when people are listening to this, they're going to be thinking, okay, so um, aggression looks like, you know, a drunk guy grabbing a girl. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's like super, super obvious, like very openly aggressive behavior. But like, what is what is something that is a little more subtle that maybe people don't note as aggression? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so aggression can look uh, uh, look very different, and it can also be misconstrued as normal dating behavior too. So that's why it takes a lot of us being able to first just open our eyes and look at the entire situation that's going on. What we encourage people to look for in their establishments is a connection of body language, verbal, verbal language, uh, and, you know, physical contact. So are both parties or all the parties involved, are their bodies turned towards one another and are they facing one another? If that's a yes, good, what, let's still pay attention, but, you know, cool, check one. Um, is there physical touch that's being reciprocated or not? So it could be as simple as a, a hand that is placed on, 
another hand or a hand that's placed on the shoulder or a hand that's placed on the leg by someone who could potentially be an aggressor. And if the target seems to um, either cower or get small or flinch and go back, that could be a sign that they do not want that physical touch. If you see them reciprocating by putting a hand back on top of that other hand or in any of those capacities where that physical touch is reciprocated between those parties, that's another sign that we're doing okay. But we're looking for those subtleties in which a body, a person who might be a target, they turn away from their aggressor or they get really small or they get really quiet or they maybe don't engage with them at all. You also want to be looking for things like something that can really easily be misconstrued between people who are there uh, interacting at your at your brewery could be giggling or laughing or smiling. Um, we far too often assume that if somebody is smiling or laughing or giggling or whatever in that interaction, that everything is fine. And that's not necessarily what's going on. It could be that that person is uncomfortable and that is their, one of their stress responses is taking over called fawn. We often hear of fight, flight, or freeze, but there is also fawn. And fawn is essentially placating the behavior of, of the aggressor in order to keep themselves safe. So I'm going to laugh because I'm uncomfortable. I have no idea what to say in this moment. And uh, this is the response that I can do. And, and it's not like that that consciously goes through any of the brains of a person who is being targeted with this aggression. It is it is their physical caveman kind of response to to that that stress response. It is an autopilot response. So it's not something that they are subconsciously going through like, okay, this is what will keep me safe. I am fine right now. It's not like that in any way. Um, so need to look a little bit deeper and we need to think about the interaction throughout the entire time. Who came in together? Did these people come in together? Well, that still means we need to pay attention to the situation because nine out of 10 uh, instances of aggression that are reported are by people that the target knows, whether they are a family member, an acquaintance, a date, a friend, whatever it might be, people know their attackers. It is kind of... It's really eye-opening to do these conversations and these trainings with people because that that myth of like the dark stranger in the corner, the creeper in the corner, isn't really true. Uh, I mean, yes, that is occasionally a thing that comes up. There are people that are targeted in that capacity because you might have serial attackers or aggressors, but the numbers and the data tell us that 90% of the attacks that happen on people uh, in these sexual aggression instances are by people that they know. So number one, if they could come in together, that doesn't mean you get to automatically stop paying attention to the situation. Number two, we have to kind of take a check at our preconceived notions and our internal biases about people that are coming in. If these are people, two people who are presenting as man and woman or man and man or woman and woman, that doesn't make a difference. Like the LGBTQIA community still has strong, large numbers instances of, of sexual aggression that we have to be paying attention to. So you cannot make an assumption about the identities of the people that are coming in, what you might perceive their sexual orientation to be. That stuff goes out the window. You need to look at every person that comes into your brewery, your tap room, as a human being that is deserving <laughs> of a kick-ass experience in your space. You can kind of see how subtle these forms of aggressions can be. And honestly, I mean, as hospitality professionals, I mean, we're paid 
to be aware of people's behavior, people's body language. So you end up with this very observant group of people who once they kind of know what they're looking for, it's it, it it's it's interesting. As as soon as I kind of went through this training, I was just like, oh my gosh, I've been, you know, it's everything kind of clicks all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay, so we we made it through the first D. Sorry Let's about get that. to the second D. <laughs> no, 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 it's cool. We do we do lots of uh tangents on the show. That was my fault. I asked questions. Yeah, no, I, I should apologize. I also have ADD, so we might go on a wild ride throughout this entire thing. So <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a podcast. It's a wild west. Let's do it. Love it. <laughs> um, so, for instance, say we we've come into that that um, we've come to that point where we see two people that are interacting at our bar. They've been talking for a little while. You see that one of those parties is leaning in towards the other, and the other party is starting to cower away. So the aggressor is starting to lean in. We now have established it is an aggressor and target situation because that target is starting to back off. They are looking a little uncomfortable. Perhaps their shoulders are creeping up towards their ears because they're cowering down and they're trying to get small so they don't take up space. We sense that there is something in our gut telling us that there's an uncomfortable situation right now. That direct thing we talked about can be as simple as, how's your night going? How are you doing? Can I get you anything else? Next comes distract, which is another big thing that people in our industry are great at because we love telling stories. If we are behind a bar, if we are giving tours, we love what we do. We also love talking. We are gregarious humans, or perhaps we're surly bartenders. It doesn't matter. You've got something to say. So we have the opportunity to interact with a, and intervene with a distraction, which could be, don't I know you from somewhere? Or where did you get that top? Or, hey, do you like sports ball? What is your favorite team doing right now? Like, right. So I'm being like super robotic right now, but like CAPS, 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 right? So are you a hockey fan? Are you, you know, we can pay attention to whatever's going on in the current day and talk about distractions like that. I have another trainer named Zach, who is one of my favorite people to work with because he talks about uh, going and doing like an entire uh, filibuster worth of like why why uh, Jar Jar Binks is the worst character that ever came out of Star Wars or or whatever. Like so, he'll go on a tangent for ten minutes and totally disrupt the energy that's going on there. So whether there was something that was ag- aggressive that was starting to creep up, we have found a way to cut through that with something that does not relate to their situation. So I've made the joke of, and I've done the example of like bringing out a cake to somebody and singing happy birthday to people when it's not their birthday at all, or accidentally spilling water on ourselves to turn the attention back to the bartender, whatever it might be. And this could be also your coworker. You see your coworker is like helping somebody out down at the end of the bar and they're looking really uncomfortable. Perhaps they've been having really uncomfortable conversations with a guest and you could come over there and like tell them that they're needed in the back. Uh, We need your help changing this cake. Can you come? We need your muscles, whatever it could be, right? So we can, we can distract with our coworkers. We can distract with the targets. We can distract with the aggressors. We can do all of those things. The next one would be delegate. And that means tagging in someone who is in a better position than you to assist at that moment. And it doesn't have to mean it's going to a boss, a manager, a higher up, whatever it is. The delegate thing is also super important because if you in that moment still like can't find it within yourself, like I don't feel comfortable engaging in this situation. It could be like how how you navigate space in the world compared to the people that you need to interact with and how they navigate space in this world. 
It could be that you just aren't having a great day and know that if you were to have this conversation, you might get really loud and you don't want to do that, or you're just not there and, and can't deal with it. So it means you could tag in that coworker and be like, hey, can you help me out for a second? Uh, can you help out, you know, B22? I think something's going on. Can you just keep some eyes on there? It could, it could be tagging in the bouncer if you do happen to have someone who is a door person and is trained to like look for proper, proper age requirements and also potentially aggressive behavior. It could be also tagging in the friends of the parties that are involved whether it be the target or the aggressor. It could be going to the aggressor's friends. Like, hey, can you check on your pal? They are, you know, they're getting a little rowdy. We need that to chill out. Or going to the target's friends. Like, hey, I think your friend might need a a buddy system right now, whatever it might be. We could also do, um, trying to think. Oh, one of the most beautiful, beautiful things that we can lean into when we're doing delegation is our regulars, our bar regulars. So if you've got a bar regular that's like great at telling stories as well, or maybe knows that person or, or just has no problem, like helping keep the calm in your space, like tagging in that person is also great. So already we've talked about three different ways, direct, distract, delegate, all of which can be done with the target or the aggressor. So you've got six ways that you can intervene right there. And most of the things that we bring up in terms of the examples of what you can say are things that you say on a normal basis when you are at your job in the beer world. It is, how are you doing? Would you like to try this beer? Have you heard of our new specials? Like it's it's stuff that people don't realize are intervention techniques that are just already programmed into their dialogue and, and, and what they do when they're building rapport with guests on a regular basis. The last two are document and delay. Documenting is making sure that, you know, based upon whatever your work guidelines are or what we are able to do in that moment is documenting everything about the incident that's going on. So if you happen to not be that person, if there's somebody who's already intervening or it is safer for you to not intervene at all and just take down all the information. That's when you're writing down, what's the day? What's the time? Who are the people involved? You know, everything pertinent to what's going on in the situation. Who is working with me? Who else might be at the bar at that time? Um, and that's keeping a track for, for you, for your, for your business. So we can make sure, like, if this is someone who is notorious for doing things, we can make sure that they, you know, we're paying attention if they come into the bar again, or we can determine that they're not no longer going to be welcomed into our establishment. But it's also helpful should there be any reporting that happens after the incident has occurred, then we have this information and we can we can present that to the pertinent parties. Um, another thing that comes along with that, if you are, if anybody is ever taking photos or video, if you are deciding to document and you are doing those things, number one, keep yourself safe while doing so. Number two, you will always, always, always have to get consent from the target before or in order to post. There's no before. If you do not get consent from that target, you're not posting. Another option you have is to ask that target, would you like these, would you like these photos? Would you like these, this video? So it can help you in your case and whatever's going on. Um, so those are really important things that you can do. The documenting and the videotaping also is very specific to your state. So making sure like, are you, what kind of party system do you have in your individual states? Are you technically considered a bystander and you can video? Are you, are you not 
physically involved in the interaction. Therefore, you're no longer able to document in that capacity. So you, that is very state specific. So like Maryland, DC, Virginia, where we are, we're good for that. We can, we can take those videos. We can do those things, but you want to make sure that whatever state that everybody is listening to us from, you have that kind of, um, third party, uh, ability to, to do that. That's also for you to keep yourself safe. And the last one is going to be delay. And delay is essentially, I like to think about it as direct, but after the incident has occurred. So oftentimes there are reasons why we cannot get involved in the incident or the whatever's happening at that moment. It could be that we are helping another guest. It could be that at that time, we were not able to find it within ourselves to, to act in any other way besides keeping ourselves safe, which is another pertinent act to do. Um, but the, the delay is connecting with the guest or the, the coworker, whoever the target was after the incident has occurred and checking on them. I saw what happened that wasn't okay. Um, is there anything I can do for you now? I'm fully present here. Whatever it might be, it could even be you leaving your business card. If you would like to like grab some coffee someday, please let's do that. Here's my card. Please feel free to contact me for anything you need. And that's important because all research shows that the way in which we interact with targets after an incident has occurred, whether it be in that moment that it's happening, I'm sorry, I saw what happened, uh, whether it's after the fact, or if it's somebody has come up to you and said, hey, this just happened to me, can you help me? The way in which we interact and assist that person, that target at that time, really makes a significant impact on their ability to recover uh, and the way in which they experience PTSD after the fact. So knowing that they have someone who has checked in, someone has believed them outright, has not questioned or doubted anything that they said, and has shown that they're there as a support system, makes a significant impact on how they are going to recover from that experience. Because this isn't a one-time thing too. Like when we're I, I haven't found too many people in in my interactions with the trainings over the years who have been major doubters. Like there still are some people who doubt that this is actually occurring in the world and some people that doubt that bystander intervention really has this much of an impact. Um, but when we say like the driving home point of like, this isn't a isolated incident. This isn't a one-time thing that just occurs and is done. It stays with that party that's been impacted for their entire lifespan, right? Uh, and and different coping mechanisms. Woo, we have we have a wealth of coping mechanisms. Not all of them are healthy, especially in our world of of hospitality and and access to excess. So the the way in which we we make sure to interact with those guests really shows that we care. We're we're here. We're involved. We're invested, and we believe you. And we don't want this to impact you negatively for that that span of time. So those are the five Ds, direct, distract, delegate, document, and delay. Those are the things that we cover in the bystander intervention course. And when we go into de-escalation, it is not so much uh, that we do a completely different content or, or, or delivery of that. We don't specifically go over the five Ds, but we do talk about the stress response, what those stress responses look like, in between different people, like if you're a fighter, what does that look like? If you were a flyer, what does that look like? If you are a freezer, what does that look like? And if you're a fawn person, making sure, yep, 
and and like also really validating that that fawn response is a very valid, very real response. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with you smiling and laughing at that situation. Like it is something that keeps you safe and something that needs to be taken seriously and also really helps people who are in those trainings to understand that that does not mean that is not an automatic response that says, oh, that's not a weakness. Yeah. Oh God, it's not a weakness. It's in no way, shape or form is it a weakness. It is a safety mechanism. Self-preservation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So really like honoring all of those responses and making sure that people, people get like what they look like, what they look like within ourselves, what they look like within other, other guests and how we can make sure that we turn that temperature back down, de-escalate the situation. Um, and a lot of it comes from talking to them about active listening, not, not just hearing people, like not just listening, but actively listening, being able to hear what they say, repeat what they say, and help find a common resolution. Like when I go into that part of the discussion, I was like, raise your hand if you have ever listened to somebody and before they're done speaking, you're planning your response to them. And like every hand shoots up. And I was like, I'm guilty of it too. I get it. That is not active listening because active listening would mean that you're fully hearing the entire situation that's being presented to you and and really trying to make a, a concerted effort to address whatever is going on. Nine times out of 10, and that's a that's a not documented, <laughs> not documented statistic, but <laughs> people want to be heard. Perhaps they have just had a shitty day and everything about their world is like not going so great and they just want to be heard. And they sometimes need to yell when that happens. And that's not an appropriate, that's not a excuse or appropriate response. Um, but we need to, to listen to people. And half the time when we, when we listen to them, that is, and just let them talk it out, that will help them get to a better, better place in their own brain. And it's being okay to say, sorry, I'm so sorry that happened. I hear you. I'd like to help. I think I heard you say that you'd like to have X, Y, Z, or you would like to move to here and that would change your experience. And I'd love to make that happen for you. There's so many, there's so many instances where I've experienced, you know, somebody like in my face, screaming, like spittle, like really aggressive. And I, I call it flipping to pastor mode because my mother is a pastor. And like, I kind of like swap to that, like calm, like unbiased. And I'm like, how can I help you? Are you okay? Can I get you some water? And how quickly somebody switches from like screaming in your face to like almost tearing because like it's the first time someone's like, okay, clearly something bigger is wrong here. Like you're not upset about your side of right. that. Like I know that's not I know that's not where we're at right now. So if if um a bar or a restaurant or a brewery or a tap room wants to do this training, what are some options for them? Yeah, they have a plenty, plenty of options. If they want to go on to safebars.org, that is a great way to find out all the places that we've trained so far and get connected. Um, you can also email info at safebars.org and that will give you all the information that you need in terms of like getting connected with our with our scheduler, Elizabeth, who does everything for all of us and is is the magical human being behind puppeteering all of that stuff. Um there's another thing that people can check out too, and this is really specific to the beer world, um, but there is the Safe Bars Pact that was a partnership between Safe Bars and the Craft Beer Professionals uh, group. 
that they put together this code of conduct. Um, and that that also can be found at safebars, safebarspack.com. Um, and that is a code of conduct that SafeBars has helped put together in conjunction with the craft brewers professionals. And what people can do in that instance is make a pledge and a promise of awareness, compassion, and trust, which is what that pact stands for. Um, they sign that pact or code of conduct. Um, and then we kind of teach you how to introduce that into your bar teams. And the people that do get involved with that can get that safe bars training as well. So that again is specific to the, to the beer world, but safebars.org will also have all the other information that you might possibly need. So there's a lot of different ways, whether you want to do bystander intervention training, de-escalation training, get your entire team or organization trained to be trainers so you can train in your area. All of those things are, are options. And it's available both in person and as well as uh, virtually. Yep. We have done a wonderful change of, of uh, the landscape as a result of March 2020 mm-hmm. continued. So we, we transitioned everything onto Zoom trainings, but we're also able to go into, there are a group of trainers who are comfortable going out in person um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and do in-person trainings for you. But we have found a great way to adjust and adapt to the world as it is and make sure that we can deliver the training in both formats. Yeah, for sure. I will say, though, the in-person training is really impactful. There's a lot of role-playing. It's very interactive. It's, um, you know, it's a way to get some information that can be triggering for people across in a very gentle way. Yeah, and I, and I love I love being in person. It's definitely just a, a better place for me to be an animated human that I am. Uh, we still do role plays when we're in the in the Zoom rooms, and it is a you know we do we do have to do role play in order for people to actually get and and understand the interactions that we want them to have and practice actually using those those phrases of how to get out of this particular situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and thank goodness for breakout rooms and in. In, in Zoom world, but it is definitely something a lot better to have interacting in that larger sense. So I look forward to when we can do more of those trainings in person. Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful to chat with you on this subject. I think you're right. I think that this landscape of our industry needs to change. It, it is changing, but, you know, we kind of have to keep those efforts moving forward and, you know, bringing awareness to making our s- spaces extremely safe for both patrons and staff. Um, it has to be, you know, on the forefront of what we talk about. Um, and for listeners, I know that our content, you know, kind of goes all over the place. And one day we're getting really nerdy about malt, but um, I think it's equally important to get nerdy about, you know, safety for sure. I agree. Safety's nerd right here. Uh, and the one thing I'll leave people with, if like, if anything you can do, even if you can't get to, to this training in the in the near future, trust your gut. If something feels or looks wrong. Uh, that you are witnessing at that time, trust your gut and check in because the cost of checking in, whether it's just saying, how are you doing? The cost of checking in is relatively nil, but the cost of not checking in could be could be potentially really dangerous. So trust your gut. Your gut is always trying to tell you what's going on. Well, thank you so much, Amy. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram, beermeradio at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, give all the stars everywhere you get your podcast, and we will catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.
Thank you.